Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Ella. I'm 23 and I'm currently renting with my older brother. And I work in finance, saving for a property soon, hopefully. Hey, I'm Jelly. I'm 32 and I work full time as an osteopath and casually sometimes as a strength and conditioning coach. I'm reinvesting at the moment. I just settled on my first investment property a couple of weeks ago in Melbourne, Victoria. Since starting listening to the podcast, I dabble a little bit in stocks and crypto. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Hi, I'm Nibble. I'm 26. I work in sales for a bank full time and then also have a marketing agency on the side. I recently bought a property last year and live in that. Today, we're diving into the lives of three inspiring women who are single and successful in managing their finances. A lot of money content is aimed at couples and families, but today we'll be discussing their own experiences and insights on how they manage their own money, the challenges they face with one income while buying a home, building their career, investing and saving for their future. With the help of these remarkable women, we hope to inspire and educate our listeners about the importance of financial independence and how they too can make the most of their hard-earned money. Whether you're single or not, this conversation will provide valuable insights and actionable tips for anyone looking to take control of their finances and plan for a secure financial future. So sit back, grab a notebook, some popcorn or the steering wheel if you're driving and get ready to learn and be encouraged from our incredible guests today. And we can't do this episode without our Thursday show partner, Global X. That's right. Do you own ETFs? Are they boring? you have a boring core portfolio, well, you can spice it up with a satellite investment from GlobalX ETFs. Now, I want you to go to their website, and there's a link in the show notes, globalxetfs.com.au, and then you can click products, and you can scroll down through some of the satellites that you can add to your portfolio. Remember, we're not putting 100% in the HGen Hydrogen ETF that GlobalX has, but you might decide that you want a little bit of exposure to the hydrogen sector. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about satellite investments. You can plug in a small satellite to your core portfolio that's of interest or you want exposure to. Thanks GlobalX for partnering with my millennial money. Now, in this chat, we covered a lot of ground and my guests were kind enough to summarize some money tips on how they manage money as a single person. So there's a link in the show notes to a blog and you'll be able to see a photo of the four of us after we recorded. So check it out. Awesome money tips in there to complement this episode. I'm Glenn James. It's International Women's Day week and this is my millennial money. All right, we're going to get right into it. And I just want to say thank you to the three of you for volunteering your time, you know, responding to the call out for, you know, three single women who 
obviously living in Brisbane and managing on one income. And the reason I've chosen the three of you, because everyone put their kind of situation in the group, uh, we've got someone who's renting, which is Ella. Jelly's got an investment property, rent vesting with a property interstate, and we can talk about that. And Nibble, she has her own home and mortgage. And yeah, congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Do you live with anyone else? No. Awesome. That's so amazing. And the cool thing is the average age of the three people in this room is just over 27. And I thought it was, I made a mistake. I thought it was actually, I thought I picked the ages to get an average of 30, but hey, we're close enough. And uh, we're going to have a great chat today. I'll start with Ella. Bree asked in the Facebook group, what was your experience with money growing up and how has it made an impact on how you manage your money now? My experience um, with money growing up, so I come from a divorce household, so I guess money was always a thing, like a lot of, I guess, negativity around money, things like that. I guess that has taught me to be independent, acknowledging my privileges as well. Like I did go to a private school and there were family holidays, things like that. But in terms of like my first car, I got that myself. It was always, if you want something, get a job, pay for it yourself. So I guess today that's taught me to be yeah, independent. And if I want something, then to save up for it, to get it. Yeah. And what was your family's relationship with debt growing up and consumer debt? Did you notice much of that? Um, not that I, I feel like that's one of the things that's like tr- kind of hidden from us kids Mm. like it was never money was never taught in our family on taxes things like that Mm. so a lot of what I know today I've kind of like through your podcast reading books taught myself Mm. yeah yeah and I will say one of the reasons uh, that I chose you three because the three of you have been longtime members of the My Millennial Money Facial group so I just wanted to also thank you for being part of the group and putting up with all the drama in there and (laughs) causing (laughs) drama yourself jelly you're (laughs) drama Addict. Guilty. Yeah. Now, okay, Jelly, what was money like for you growing up? Um, really unstable, to be honest. Mm. I'm going to preface my response with a content warning because I grew up in a very dysfunctional household. And I'm okay with saying that now because I'm 32 and grown. But um, my dad, I mean, both of my parents are immigrants, grew up in poverty um, in their Where respective Where did they immigrate from? Dad was from a small village in Croatia and mum was from a small village in the Philippines. And so both of them had very traumatic upbringings, um, including lots of family, domestic violence and abuse. So when they came to Australia, neither of them spoke English. They met on a radio show and popped out three kids. And we're going to get you a partner after this episode. <laughs> yes, my millennial Tinder. I love it. <laughs> um, so my dad worked the classic immigrant job. He was a panel beater, still is actually at 65 years old. He would work like 10 to 12 hour days, six, sometimes seven days a week. My mom was the stereotypical housewife with a little bit of a drag flair. So she had a taste for designer clothing. So she was very flamboyant with her money. And so she would spend a lot of the money that my dad would, you know, provide for us, sometimes more on herself than us. And so I have learned to be very frugal with my money and sometimes distrusting in relationships too. Um, In their divorce, she hid a lot of assets. 
um, which I found out later in life. And so I'm very, very financially independent because of that. Mm. And I don't think of it as a bad thing. I completely acknowledge um, that that lack of trust for others is there, but it has also afforded me so much in my life. I have traveled to almost 30 countries. I've bought my own property. I've got three degrees. I've got crypto and I've got stocks and I feel very secure because of it. Mm. So And accomplished, I hope. And very accomplished too. Yeah. yeah. No, you should be proud. Well, yeah. I mean, the three of you should be proud. Like, it's just mm. amazing um, to get to meet the three of you. We might just flick gears now. Mm. Um, nibble. When managing money on your own and being single, you've got one income coming in, are there any assumptions in your life or do you get assumptions from other people or shade from other people that, you know, that, oh, you need to find a partner and hmm. you can't do that alone and you've proven everyone wrong so far because you've just bought your first home that you're living in. But just talk to us about how you manage money and maybe any weird assumptions that people have said to you about it. I definitely do get assumptions. Like I remember <laughs> when I was getting my first home, people were like, is it just you on the mortgage? Like, is it, do you have a partner? Are you getting a house with a partner? I'm like, no, it's just me. <laughs> um, so there's just those assumptions that people think that you actually need like two people to buy a house and it's not really as achievable to do it by yourself, but you can actually buy a house by yourself at a young age. Um, and obviously as a woman, every, we all have those pressures of when you're going to settle down, you've like finished uni, you're working, you have a house, there's all those assumptions. But I'm pretty value driven as well. So I really care about having like a full life and having my own goals. And if it's someone that I feel we're on the same wavelength and we have the same vision. I think when you talk about money as well, it's not just managing finances, but it's also about having a long-term vision and making sure you're on the same page as that person in terms of like your lifestyle, what you want to achieve. So it'd have to be someone that has similar uh, vision as me. Mm. Um, I manage my money on the basis that I'm single right now. And so that's what I do um, until probably when I'm married. That's when I would actually treat it <laughs> as like uh, our own income together. But for now, I manage my money on the basis of being single. And practically speaking, um, and you don't need to tell everyone your, you know, your income and tax file number and all that. <laughs> do you have, you know, what type of account setup do you have uh, to practically manage money once you get paid once a pay cycle? Yeah. So I have my transaction account, which is where my pay goes in. And then I have a savings account to the side, which is like short term, that kind of savings. But then I also have a separate bank account, which is long-term savings as well and long-term goals. So I'm not pinching in and out yeah, <laughs> of yeah. my accounts. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, Ella, you're currently renting yes. and uh, you're 23. Nibble is... 26, like you're currently saving for a home, like what time frame are you aiming to buy your own home and it will, will it be by yourself or with your brother? Um, actually currently planning with my brother, cool. um, hopefully within the next year. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have the ING high interest, like the savings maximizer account. So that's where I'm just funneling my money into at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe to jelly, like you know, 
we're both in our thirties. <laughs> Love that for us. I know. <laughs> I can't say that for much longer, but <laughs> I'm hanging on for all dear life. Um, you know, when we, when a little boy and girl grows up, <laughs> when they get into their thirties, you get weird comments from people. Um, talk about any shade that you've maybe got with being a rent vester, being a single woman in your thirties. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I do. I get passing comments and I know a lot of the time it comes from a good place. People are wanting me to, traditionally speaking, be, feel secure and be safe. Um, but I don't think that they understand that there is safety in security in alternative ways of living. Um, so it's sort of, even though I sort of branch away from a lot of the stereotypical expectations of women in our society, I've kind of always done that, mm. you know, um, in my life, in the way that I live it anyway. Mm. So I'm kind of used to people trying to give unsolicited advice from a place of care or mm. trying to save me as such. So it's, I like to sort of just push back and let them know what they're missing out on. Now, youngest in the room, Ella. Yeah. What would, Jelly, would you give Ella any advice? Um, you know, if you were in your early 20s, maybe some of the stuff that you had to navigate mm. if you were single in your 20s, um, yeah. any advice off the cuff? Especially now, like my whole friendship group, I'm the only single one left. Right. I'm the Married, same. Married, babies, engaged. Yeah. Long-term yeah. partner. Everyone I know is like making kids. Mm. Like, yeah. Manufacturing them. <laughs> yeah. Collecting them. Yeah. <laughs> so what advice would you give to a, a younger uh, Jelly and Ella? Honestly, I think because everyone is so different, it's got to be just follow your gut. You know, if you can stay aligned with what your deepest desires are for your life and the way that you want it to look, just create that. Because I was always second guessing whether I should buy a home and get married and settle down and have kids early when all my friends started to in their early 20s. But I really craved traveling and adventure and studying and learning and challenging myself and throwing myself in really into really unfamiliar, weird scenarios just so that I could get life experience and build my character and learn to understand who I am, build my own identity. And that was a big core value of mine. And I just, anytime I had someone try to pull me aside or off that track, I would literally go into nature and put my hand on a tree and just plug in. Mm. And just go, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I need. I'm just going to come back to Jelly. What does Jelly need right now in this moment? And just follow your gut. Yeah, that's awesome. Ella, you know, like, because you've been in the My Millennial Facebook group, you've listened to the podcast mm -hmm. for a few years, you know, dropping in and out, you know, it's a given fact that the stats say that women have lower super balances. Yeah. I mean, you're saving for your own home because you want to set up your life, but has the thought of superannuation entered your life at the moment in a real way now that you are, you know, how long have you been in the workforce? Um, since I was 15. Yeah. So, yeah. so you would, you'd be in front of a lot of people if you started working in yeah. age 15. Yeah. Not really, other than the fact of changing the risk portfolio on yes. the super. That's really all I've done. Yeah. So I, I've set it to a high growth within my super. That's really the only thing that mm. I've considered when it comes to super. And have you thought like strategically with your life that, oh, once I get that big rock of a house done, mm -hmm. 
will I start to do some other investing or have mm. or well, just recently kind of- I did start investing. Awesome. Purchased my first share. Oh, what did you do? Yeah, I did the S&P 500. Giddy up. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I want to on the side still like time in investing. The longer yeah. I'm in there, yeah, the better. time in the market. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but once I purchase a house, like that's my big goal. I think it would just be doing more travel. Mm. I have traveled a little bit. Um, on my own, but doing more of that. Yeah. 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 Nibble, superannuation following on from Ella, you've built that big rock in your life, which is that home, first home that you're living in. Have you had any thought about superannuation, future, future you, other than I get paid my super and live life? I have thought about super, um, in particular, the management fees <laughs> because I did have a look and the one that I was with had really high management fees and not as good returns. So that's just something that I need to look into further in terms of changing it. I did in like previously consolidate my future, uh, my super, sorry, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> because I found out that you get charged extra if you have like lots of different supers when I was like working um, part-time when I was in like uni and high school and that kind of stuff. So I did consolidate it. And then I just want to look at the best super for me in terms of returns, risk profile, that kind of stuff. Um, But I really want to start getting more into investing in shares. I think that's my next step after property um, is learning more about investing in shares and learning more about businesses and equity and companies and that kind of stuff. And then also just having like travel, more travel, more experiences, mm. more balance Living life. in life. Yeah. <laughs> Living our best lives. Yeah. Here's a question. Your first home uh, with the mortgage, did you get a principal and interest mortgage or fixed? Principal and interest with variable interest. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And how has that been in the recent months with the interest rate increasing? Have you really felt that more than what you may have thought? I've tried not to feel it as much. (laughs) I think I'm quite blessed in the sense that I get commission um, for work. So I can actually work a lot harder in that terms of like being able to get extra income. um, And that helps me kind of balance it out so it's not over like 40% of my um, net income going towards the mortgage. Mm -hmm. So that's been really good trying to find different ways to make money. That's fun for me. But when I was like looking into getting my first house, I was speaking with my manager, my old manager, which I love. (laughs) And he told me to do a rough estimate of the interest rates. So I would get on the calculator on, um, I think money, the gov. Yeah. Money money smart. Yeah. Money smart and look at different interest rates and just keep on increasing it because he was like, it's quite low at the moment, but Mm. it's going to increase. And so that gave me an indication of how much it would look like. Um, So I think that really helped me. So I didn't have as much of a shock because I knew I was playing around with like 7%. 5%, 6% anxious yeah. rates and that really helped me. Yeah, and because the reality is we could be at 6% mm. in another 12 months' time yeah. or less. Like we just yeah. don't know. Yeah, and education-wise I was told buy a house that you can afford mm. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what type of property did you buy? It's a house. Cool. Yeah. So a freehold house. Now, Jelly said the word security before um, in passing about something and I thought security. Living alone... What was that like um, for you? Were you concerned about the area that you're going to buy in? Was um, your personal security or safety a big concern? 
It was at the start, but then I just got a security camera. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So that had helped and like not listening to people as much because I had other people that would say, are you not scared? Like that kind of stuff. And I would sometimes take on their fears. Um, So having like a security camera in place, maybe like basic (laughs) self-protection skills you could like adopt. Um, But the area is quite good. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Jelly, for someone who might say, oh, you can't buy property. It's no one can afford it. I mean, I'm sitting here talking to two young women on a single income who have purchased property. Like what would you say to someone who would say property isn't affordable and you can't get ahead and you can't buy property? And it's taken as read that there are legitimate people doing it tough, but our average listener of the My Millennial Money Show is a 30-year-old woman who's earning $100,000 a year. So a good income, right? So any tips, tricks, hacks, advice for those who say that I can't afford a property? Okay, well, one, I saved a 10% deposit um, while I was studying Mm. as a student, hustling three jobs. Oh, so you had to do a bit of work to get your deposit. Right. (laughs) And exactly, for a long time, consistently. Mm. So you had to sacrifice to win. Mm, I did. Mm. I did. Interesting. And I did a lot of research. Um, Shout out to John. I actually did his course. Oh, John Pigeon. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to his course because it's a a banger. It is good. And I keep getting weekly reminders to finish it. (laughs) (laughs) So you did some of his course. Yeah. Majority, 80% apparently. Okay, cool. But um, yeah, I just spoke to a really good mortgage broker, mm. a really good mortgage broker who was able to tell me how much he could leverage. And then a, I actually spoke to a few buyer's agents, okay. including John, yeah. um, who were able to show me, I guess, the key indicators um, of a property that would be high growth, but also high yielding. Mm. And so I would say if you can find something, especially if you're in a tight spot, uh, income wise, mm. find something that has a really good rental income that's going to cover the repayments. Mm. You know, it might be a little bit hard for that upfront deposit, but if you can find something that's going to f- cover the repayments, or, you know, maybe with the interest rate rises, you might only have to put aside an extra maybe couple of hundred bucks a month, because mm. that's where I'm at at the moment. It's not hurting me very much. The, the rental income's kind of yeah, really looking after that. How did you, like buying your first home being an investment property that was yeah. in another state, yeah. how did you emotionally reconcile that? Because, you know, <laughs> I don't know buying your have. first home, it's a big deal. Yeah. And also while at uni too, because yeah. while I was at uni, I was trying to juggle full time, failed a few subjects. Like it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit of a cowgirl like that. Essentially... I um I worked actually a, a few jobs. I worked three jobs and I was always juggling them. Um, and I've always had a habit of putting away at least fifth, around about 40 to 50% of my paycheck. Jeez. Um, I could learn from you. Savings. Were yeah. you renting as well? Yeah, I was in Byron Bay nonetheless. Wow. So it was tough and I did live quite frugally. Like I would, I would couple with, friends and um, I would go to the farmer's markets and make really simple meals and I worked at the gym that I trained at so I didn't have to pay a membership like it was a very simple life I didn't need um, very much you know so can I ask how much your rent was at the time it was 
it would fluctuate depending on where I was living between about 200 to $250 a week because I was living in share homes. Yeah. Which is pretty, like you'd probably Standard. be paying $250 each. 250 yeah. Yeah, yeah, pay $250 yeah. a week. Yeah. Did um, you see Zac Efron ever? <laughs> no. Like really, we're all thinking it, yeah. so. Chris Hemsworth's there all the time. He just, yeah. <laughs> he just wants to show his face. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, um, I also did, I wasn't sure if I was going to mention this on the podcast, but... Since it is a single ladies podcast, I will mention I did work as an exotic dancer for a while while I was doing my master's and it was three years and it paid really well and it was a high-end gentleman's club and I, I still speak to some of my closest friends in the industry today and if anyone is considering it, holler at me because I highly recommend. I love that for you. Thank yeah, you. I mean, I could not do that. Because um, <laughs> I feel like there's a huge not, stigma not around that yeah, too. Talk, talk to us about right. the stigma. Like, yeah, because there definitely shouldn't be. No, no. And to be honest, in my experience, I had a lot of support from my friends. Um, my friendship group at the time were very understanding, very encouraging, would come sh- lingerie shopping with me. They absolutely loved living vicariously through my stories. It was almost like I became a character in some story movie. My partners though, didn't really like it. And I got most of the shade from the guys that I was with. Insecurity. Mm, Yeah, a little bit. Hey, Ella, question. Mm -hmm. Like there was a bit of a, like Jelly, you've just like grinded away the last 10 years and saved up and live frugally and experienced life. You kind of like you know, you mentioned partners there, so you, you've had relationships, but on balance, you've really just made the most out of your life and you weren't waiting around for a man to be your plan and all that stuff, right? Exactly. So do you think like, you know, obviously most people want to find someone to share life with, but Ella, how have you resolved in yourself that, well, I'm doing me, I'm going to build my life and I'm not waiting for X or Y to happen? Mm. I don't know. I feel like I'm not in any rush. Mm. Sometimes there are moments where you're hanging out with friends and you're the only single one and it's like, oh, that kind of feeling. But then I get over it and it's like, if I want something, then I'm going to go get it. Like I'm, yeah, not going to wait around and I'm not going to get into anything just to be in a relationship. Mm. I think that's not very healthy to do. So Mm. I'd rather be good with myself. And then um, like we were saying before, find someone on the same wavelength and if it works, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Nibble. Yeah. Have you ever like in recent times, you know, being single, you've got your own home and you're living it by yourself. Has loneliness ever crept in? Yes, I think so. I think like, especially when you get to the mids to the late twenties, I think it can be, um, but I think friends, <laughs> friends are pretty awesome. Like I try my best to have as a full life as possible and to like, I'm doing the things that I want to do and they're all goals that make me really happy. So I think that's fun and like traveling and meeting other people and just seeing the world really helps. But um, loneliness, I think everyone feels loneliness at time, but I think you can still be in a relationship and feel lonely. So it's important to like take your time and know yourself and then if it's something that you want to get into, you can, but it's like having someone that you generally enjoy and you want to be in a relationship with. And then if you have loneliness, finding your passions, like what makes you happy in life. Mm. Um, 
having really supportive friends that you can have a laugh with and do things with and finding I love like traveling by myself as well um I think that is amazing and you learn so much about yourself um and I think people think that you have to traveling is like one of those things you always have to be with someone to enjoy it but you can enjoy things that you love by yourself such as traveling Mm. I think on the friendship part too, especially friends that are in couples, you have to be quite proactive in reaching out um, instead of just sitting there and feeling sorry for yourself sometimes. And um, when are they going to ask me to hang out? It's like, go out there and ask someone to do something, go to the markets, go for a walk, whatever it may be. In your 20s in general, like everyone gets so busy and you can feel like, oh, they don't want to be my friend, but it's like the busyness. But like people love when you're just like, hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to do this? That kind of stuff. So like you really have to go out there and speak to people and put yourself out of your comfort zone, meet different types of people um, and really initiate things Mm -hmm. as well. You can't really just sit back (laughs) or have the same friendship group since uni or like high school and think like it's going to be consistent there's different changes that happen yeah Yeah, and like what I'm getting from this room and I had the discussion uh, on Tuesday's episode with uh, Tia Angelos from Smart Women Society on Instagram we got into the relationship thing and talking about that and she made this good point like when you do have a relationship one red flag might be that that partner wants to draw you away from your friends or um, you can't do anything with your friends without taking your partner like. So it's good to have the independence, right? Yeah, definitely. I think the red flagginess comes from isolating you from your friends. Um, I actually was just having this conversation with a couple of girls at work today. Spooky much? Very. Mm. But yeah, we were just saying isolating your partner from their friends and their family can be really disorienting for them and can keep them confused. And it is almost like a tactic for manipulation Mm -hmm. because you want them to essentially only agree with you and see things from your perspective. And it it doesn't allow them to maintain their own identity and their own ideas, beliefs and and whatnot. So. Yeah, I think identity confusion when you're in a, like a relationship, you don't really know yourself. Um, so like a green flag would be like having your own beliefs, your own personality, and then being able to have someone that you can share that with, but you don't become meshed into one. <laughs> hey, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about some scandalous things. Mm. Very scandalous. Dun, dun, dun. Right? So we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Okay, we are back. And just before we go on, I just want to thank Ebony at the Western in Brisbane for looking after us. We are in the executive business lounge or something like that. And there was a big spread of dinner for the four of us and we've had wine and I had a pear. (laughs) (laughs) Very good wine. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. I had um, (laughs) pre-fermented fruit. Um, let's talk when we put the question up last year, uh, in the Facebook group, because I'm a bit lazy and didn't get around to do this singles type of episode. There was a bit of a general sentiment about when we do this podcast, not to make the whole thing about preparing for a family and children and all that. So we just want to flag that out that we haven't really heroed or talked about that stuff. And we might touch it if anyone wants to jump in. Uh, but also I just want to let you know, um, anyone in their forties and single who commented, I might also do a, an interview with you. I'll, I'll reach out. Um, but we just really want to do, um, really in that millennial age group at the moment for this episode. So just to let you know, there, you know, there's a lot of people in their forties and fifties who listen to this podcast. Um, hopefully you can still learn and be encouraged, but today we're doing what we're doing here. Um, and because like life is so different for everyone. And I think we can all learn from each other. And I've certainly learned from um, talking with the three of you tonight. Does anyone, before we go on, and like there's a heap of questions here, like we're getting to know each other now. Does anyone have any random thoughts or just fodder that they want to just throw out and discuss? Because I, like we've got questions here, but you know, we've all kind of been chatting. Are we keeping it on topic? No, do what you want. I don't know. I, I actually, sorry, go on, go on. Um, well, I was going to say before when we were talking, we got, there were, was a lot of conversation before about, um, living in alignment with your values and really maintaining or developing your identity. And that's been a little bit of a consistent theme along the whole independent woman chat. Um, and it made me think of a book that I'm reading at the moment, um, called Ikigai, I don't know if you've I've read it. Yeah. It's a really good book. Yeah. I Second it. love it. And I'm loving every page and I love the philosophy around it. And that's essentially what I'm just trying to cultivate in my life as a single woman at the moment is just, you know, the purpose and the meaning and the vocation and the way that I not just earn my money, but create my life. Um, and I know we're going to lead into this eventually, but like in terms of being a mother, like mm. that aligns with my purpose at some stage. And I know there's a lot of logistics involved with that in modern day society. Mm. But if I have that on my vision board in mm. my little Ikigai Venn diagram, right, I feel like it's going to eventually happen. And I don't want to stress or worry about like mm. the numbers just yet. I know it's going to happen for me. So there was a general kind of question there, like are any of you, is it an immediate thought or deep on the horizon or ever crossed any radar about, well, if I get to this age, should I consider IVF or freeze my eggs or, you know, just go and 
get a baby. Has not crossed my mind at all, yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, you're young and you have so many eggs left. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want some? Oh my God. You know what? Call me in five years, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have honestly been doing a little bit of research. Sure. Yeah. I've got some friends who have um, had children through IVF. Sounds expensive as hell. Mm. It was only maybe suggested to me about six months ago by a friend when I, I left a long-term relationship and um, I didn't want to rush back into one. And so the biological clock was ticking and I just thought, you know, I, I would just love to have the time. And thank God I was born into a time where we have the technology to do that. Mm. We can, uh, I can buy myself some time. It's the freedom of choice too. Right. How great is that? And so, yeah, I've, I've been looking into it and I will definitely um, be saving for it, mm. for sure. Nibble, any comments? I've thought about it, like just a general thought, because I have a friend who was actually freezing her eggs and she was in her mid-30s, so it came up. And then I also just explore page and seeing like celebrities having babies like at an older age. Um, so I think that has made me thought about it. But if we're honest, I think it scares me in terms of like freezing eggs or like IVF, like mm. thinking about it scares me in a way. Yeah. Not like a I think there's like, topic. it's kind of weird. Like I've resolved, you know, that as individuals and humans living and being part of a society, like if you want kids, sure. Awesome. But, like, you can add a lot more value and get a lot of value out of life without kids. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I've got friends at the moment and they've, they're in their 30s and they've been trying for years. And, yeah, it's because you just don't know. Like, but so I, I feel like we don't have more of those stories. Like, seeing people like that who are don't have kids but they're happy, it's a lot like people that – don't have kids and they're not happy or like the warnings of women not like doing like not investing too much in their career because they might not be able to like have kids because they've spent all the time on career. So there's also like a lot of fear set up like um, sentiment around, but there's not enough like stories of other alternatives of people that have done it differently and are like happy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My cousin, um, Carly, she's late thirties and her husband, Matt, he's 41. Like they're in Egypt right now. She sent me a photo this morning. They can see the pyramids from their hotel room. Living their best life. Yeah. And they decided years ago, kids aren't for us. Yeah. I have a, a good girlfriend that's like that. She's my age, but her partner's uh, late twenties and they've said, look, it's just not for us. And that's totally fine. It's, it's weird. Like, and this isn't a, a like a, a man or woman thing. Like I got a friend, Nico, he's just recently had two kids in the last couple of years he has wanted kids for as long as he can remember. He's like, I was born to be a dad. Like, it's happening. Where I have not really had those thoughts, to be honest. Yeah. Like, starting to get them on the horizon, but everyone is so different. And I was thinking, like, it just must be, you've just got to respect that person who might be single and then wants a child and is prepared to be a single parent. Like absolutely, I've, I've I've considered that myself as well. Yeah. Raising a child on my own, mm. um, if I had the financial means to do it, and I didn't meet my match, then it's certainly on the cards for me. I've I worked a little bit as an au pair when I was at uni and um, helped a single 
parent family and we lived together in our own little family and it was awesome, you know, mm. a single mom and her two kids and, you know, there are so many different types of ways of doing it and I feel like that's where it always just comes back down to like following your gut and everyone is so different. Some people have the desire to have kids, other people don't. We just mm. have to respect that. Ella, what are you looking most forward to in your life at this time? Um, right now, probably ideally I'd want to be at a place where if I don't want to work, I don't have mm. to. Like I, yeah. I am in the financial spot where I can go overseas or do something else other than working my nine to five type job. So you're saving for a house. Have you thought about, and you know, we, we can talk about travel. Um, mm-hmm. Have you consciously gone, I'll get the house, then travel, that's done? Or are you just kind of keeping saving and then just vibing it out year on year? Like, Yeah, I think the house comes more from stability yeah. because I have had so many different roommates over the years from moving with people I know at work to flatmates finding them on the website to now only recently my brother he was in Melbourne for a little bit so he's moved back um and the people I was with they one girl was from um Adelaide so she's gone back the other one's moved in with the best friend that kind of thing or they move in with their boyfriend so I think it's just like the stability of okay I'm, I'm gonna be in this one spot yeah that's and my base every camp. single year having to find something new Newbel, what are you looking most forward to in life at the moment I'm looking forward to enjoying the fruits of my labor. Like I did just hustle, work nonstop um, in my early 20s um, when I was saving for the house because that was my major big goal. But even like back in high school and I was still working on like weekends and things. So I haven't really had much of a break as per se. So I really just want to travel as much as I can, um, really dig deep into my values and figure out what my holistic life and my dream life looks like and start working towards that more actively as well. Um, Stuff that aren't just solely focused on like money, but like enjoying like a lifestyle and hang out with my friends and family and things like that. Would you agree that like once you get to, you know, whether it is completing your study and really getting into your career and getting the things happening, like... Once you get to a critical mass in your life, like you're meeting your rent repayments, you've got good money habits, you don't have any consumer debt and all that stuff, it comes to a point where it's not actually about the money. Jelly, you're nodding like... (laughs) Preach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like for a while now, I haven't been living in survival mode Mm just paycheck to paycheck, trying to stay on top of the bills. And it has been the most refreshing feeling. And I can't, I don't think I've ever felt that before. Mm. So now it's gotten to a point where I just want to develop myself as a person and really refine my skills and my interests. And I, I have the time I'm fortunate enough to now have time for real play and building relationships and that sort of thing. You said the magical R word, relationship. Oh, there it is again. Do you have a perfect partner list or I'm... (laughs) Let me get my hand account out. Tall, dark and handsome. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I want this type Six of foot um, five. Yeah. Um, Basketballer. Um, Hemsworth, Mr. Yeah. Hemsworth. Um, if you're there. Yeah. So, do you have an ideal of what you're looking for yeah. in a partner? I should just um, double back for a second and clarify that when I referenced relationships just before, I I meant all relationships. Yeah, sure. I really want to practice like being a good friend and being a good daughter and being a good employee and a colleague. Like that's really where I want to refine my skills interpersonally. Mm. So I can like, again, like, because I'm not in survival mode, I have the time to listen and really listen, mm. you know? So there's that. And then on the other hand, there's the intimate relationships and the romantic relationships. Um, and I, now I'm at a stage because I did used to, I, I will admit, I did have a criteria. Mm. Yeah. And I made that criteria with my head. It was a very, a very cognitive process. And now that I'm not living in my head and I want to live from my heart, I want to really feel and embody the kind of lifestyle and the kind of vibe that I want to, you know, um, feel and emit and attract someone on that vibe. So it's really now about the emotional connection and someone that I feel safe with, someone that I can feel like I can be myself in front of um, without any judgment, someone that I don't mind listening to, even if it is like bad feedback. I don't mind hearing it. I want to hear it. So Josiah Stone in the Facebook group put this comment, my last relationship ended because I was too invested in money and my future. So I thought I'd post it here and- It's probably a good thing that it ended then. Yeah. So Ella, talk to us about what what you would be looking for in a partner at the moment or for your life. As cliche as it sounds, like a best friend. Yeah. Someone that you just vibe with that you can laugh with, not take yourself too seriously, but then also has to be, have their own goals, has to be wanting something, like looking for it, okay, like what what do you want your life to be kind of thing. Like I feel like it's important to have the same vision in that mm. sense because there's no point in going back to the kid thing, being with someone that doesn't want kids, things like that, doesn't want to buy a house or doesn't want to go traveling, mm. same vision. You will? I would say all those things that the girl said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but my non-negotiables would be would have to be on the same terms um, in terms of like religious beliefs and like our religious practices as that's something that's very, very important to me. Um, they would need to be financially <laughs> literate and like really be invested in finance. I don't have to check the stock market every morning, do you know, mm. and that kind of stuff. But like they need to be dialed into their finances. Um, I w- love people that are intelligent. <laughs> so he needs to be intelligent and someone that's very cu- curious, um, someone that is very ambitious and who loves travel because I love traveling um, and want to explore like every single part of the world as I can. <laughs> So that'd be amazing. And someone that doesn't take themselves too seriously. And yeah. doesn't go out every weekend because how much money are you spending? <laughs> That's what I think. Okay. We're going to do a quick thing. Um, dating app profile. Gym selfie or fishing selfie or four-wheel drive selfie. Are you yes or no? <laughs> no. <laughs> Hard no. Gym selfie, no. What was the other ones? Like fishing. Fishing. Holding a dead fish. 
No. No. <laughs> Sorry, guys, that's not impressive. <laughs> um, all right, there was a question here and I, I did, like we all looked at these questions before we press record, so I'm asking it with um, permission. There was a question here about budgeting for skin treatments, Botox and fillers. And I mean, I don't think there's a lot of guys who do this stuff. So I don't think it's stereotypical that only women do cosmetic stuff in this day and age. So there's that. So is anyone like, and we'll say that stuff that's important, like self-care stuff, or I want to do this because like, how do each of you specifically budget either for any of this ongoing um, skin treatments or if you're not into that and you're into, I like awesome shoes and I've got a little shoe budget. So maybe, um, Ella, do you have something in your life, something similar to that type of thing um, that you put disposable funds to? Yeah, definitely. Investing in good quality skincare. And I have had lip filler too. So I think it just comes back to on a spreadsheet working out, okay, this is how much it's going to cost if I want to purchase it. And then um, breaking that down into I get paid fortnightly. So how much do I need to put aside each fortnight for yep. me to be able to afford to get these things mm. or purchase this skincare, whatever it may be. Yeah. How much is lip filler? Like, I don't even know. I think it really depends where you go. Yeah. Um, and then what type of filler. The place that I've been for one mil of filler, I think it's like $550. And does that last three months? So that's a, a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty- so Botox is... Uh, three months. Right, I'm getting confused yeah. with my cosmetic treatments over yeah. here. <laughs> so Botox is like into the mu- actual muscle. Yeah. Whereas filler is, is filler. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, keep going back there because I reckon if you can't tell someone's had it, it's a good job. Yes, Agreed. I agree. That's why I personally- That's why I was shocked when you said you've had it. Yeah, I personally don't mind paying a little bit more to go to a good place because I know it's not, I'm not going to be botched. Yeah. So. yeah. Jelly? Um. I kind of group things like skin treatments into like the personal hygiene um, category. So I just get it when I do my like grocery shop or or pharmacy run. I I don't spend too much money on big name brands. It's not very high on my list, but I will say I have had cosmetic tattooing um, for my eyebrows and lips, which I am due to update. But that stuff lasts for like years, Mm. you know. But it's also a trade-off, isn't it? Like if it's something you value and it doesn't even have to be cosmetic, it could be like, I like shoes. Or for me, I've got a boat and I've got a bank account called Boat Fund. Like, and I just put every fortnight, a bit of my pay goes into the boat fund. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. It's like a it's like a fun interest that you want to like just put money into. Like I will sometimes just treat myself to like a pamper day or a spa day. Mm. Every few months, sometimes like once a year, I'll do like one big thing. Like, I don't know. Don't they call that like FU money? Yeah, yeah, just like do what you want. Yeah, exactly. And if you if you have the budget for it if, and if you can budget for it, why not live your best life? That's the whole point. Yeah, I'm really big on this like values-based spending and trade-offs. Like why bother spending name brand stuff that you don't value? Like we're drinking Voss water here, thanks to the Western. Like I'm not buying bottled water. <laughs> I think it's also about balance too because there are other areas in my life where I do pull back or like for instance, 
shop at Aldi and then whatever I can't get at Aldi, then I'll go to Woolworths. So I've got the Woolworths app on my phone. So when I'm at Aldi, if there's something on special at Woolworths, I'll get it there. Like things like that, mm. not going out to dinners all the time. Like I'm not buying lunch at work. I'm very big on like cooking my own food to save money. Like, uh, yeah, different aspects like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Nibble, have you had any trade-offs or little budget line items that are more value-based slash joy-based? I love travel. Mm. So like I have sinking funds, so savings for travel. And I'll do like short trips. Um, like I did a staycation for my birthday um, recently, Sunshine Coast. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like good. Did you go out by yourself? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fun. It was it was my first time like in a long time being by myself for my birthday. So that was like an interesting one. How did it feel? Well, I've recently moved to the state. So it was a bit different because I'm usually celebrating with my family back in Sydney. So it was it was nice because I had spent so much time in the past few weeks with lots of people. So it was like I really wanted time to think about what I want to focus on for the upcoming year and like my goals and like really celebrate my achievements. And I just needed time to just relax. So I think that was fun because I did do Bali in December with a friend, like my close friend. So that was like very good and like fun. And then it was good to have that contrast of just being by myself and really thinking and just enjoying life. Mm. Yeah. So I love um, having money set aside for travel all throughout the year and just keep on topping up my travel fund um with skin mum and i have like wanted to start doing a sinking fund for like getting our eyebrows done and like big um beauty based um things that we want to do so like saving up for those bigger treatments i think that would be something Mm. that's exciting that we want to do with our personal finances um i've assumed and correct me if i'm wrong none of you have like consumer debt yeah, no. no. Yep, yep. Nope. Um, what's your relationship been like with um, charitable giving? Has it been an active thing in your life consistently or a ad hoc thing? I'll start with you, Jelly. Um, it's been mostly an ad hoc thing because it's been greatly dependent on my income mm. and any given year that has changed drastically. So what I used to do for a long time was donate my birthdays um, to a chosen charity or organization. And I would just use my birthday party or celebration as a fundraiser essentially, or I would dedicate the month to, um, yeah, that, that chosen charity and get my friends amongst it and turn it into an event, the whole lot. Yeah. Awesome. Ella? Um, financially ad hoc. Yeah. Mm. Um, but in terms of like, I have done volunteering, um, I did study nutrition, so I'd volunteer for this place and do meal plans and then they'd cook the meals for women um, seeking refuge accommodations. They have meals done, things like that. So I guess on that other aspect, it's also like my personal time. Yeah. Nibble, what's your relationship with generosity in your financial life? I think it's good at the moment because I am consistent with like church giving. Sure. Um, With church giving, they really encourage like regular giving. And then there's also like projects and um, causes that we can give to as well. Mm. So I think that's been really good. I think it wasn't as consistent when I was in that saving for a house. Um, But I have noticed I feel like a lot better um, putting giving into my monthly budget. Mm. Yeah. Does anyone think they've been worse off ever by being generous, either with time, money or calling a friend? 
Like it's an interesting question, isn't it? The only time I have regretted giving was my time and energy when I was giving beyond my means. Mm. And like I work in healthcare and it is so easy to do that when you have a bleeding heart and you're with someone, a patient who is in a really tough spot and you get them repeatedly in a row who are in so much pain or grieving and whatnot and you want to be able to hold space because I know that I have the skills for that. But when I'm giving beyond my means... There needs to be a cutoff point. There needs to be some boundaries. One of my biggest regrets ever, and it's not even a big deal and I'm, I'm happy to help. You kind of, sometimes I, I'll hear someone's story and I just want to help and rescue and all that stuff. And I interviewed someone once um, on our Gen Z Money podcast and they were like hugely in debt, payday loans and all this stuff, right? And I was just so like, oh, I want to help, I want to solve and I basically said, hey, send me your bank to you. I'm going to flip you $300. And for me, it just was that thing. It's like I shouldn't have done that because it's it didn't help. And I can't set the precedent of every person I interview with a financial problem that I'll donate my money to. I do enough by encouraging people. And so, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. And that's probably one of my biggest giving regrets financially. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's interesting. I think that's like that analogy. Like if someone, most people, when they win the lottery, they'll lose it in like a short amount of time because they don't have like the habits and the identity and that kind of stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's the whole like teach a man to fish yeah. philosophy. You know, if you just give him the fish, he'll, you know, it'll, he'll be satiated for maybe a few hours, but then he's yeah. going to be. It's probably a, coming from a privileged perspective but there is so much free information out there nowadays too that you can go teach yourself so yeah and that's like the thing like the three of you are like putting the hustle on and life's tough for a lot of people and everyone has like I believe life's pretty equal on balance like we've all got our own little challenges like someone might be challenged being challenged by like a hardcore mental health issue and they've got all the money in the world. Next person might be struggling with a other health issue and they're doing it tough week on week. The next person might be in a really bad... See, my this is really weird. Like my heart was like breaking almost thinking about people going through COVID, being in lockdown in a situation that was dangerous and but terrible. Like, and it just... So life is tough for a lot of people and... Life's tough, relatively speaking, for everyone as well. Like, we, and there's a lot of privilege and all that, but I just think it's, um, I don't know where I was going with it, but <laughs> it's got me on a rant, Ella. Sorry, but right. it is, it's too easy to compare yourself to other people as yeah. well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I agree. I think it's, it is um, all, it just comes back down to like giving within your means. And I think it is great to contribute back to society and to help your fellow man. And we all try to do that to some extent, but no one really knows what's going in the background on in the background for anyone. No one knows how much reserves we have financially or energetically. So I think it's really up to us to dictate where we draw the line and where we, you know, mm. sort of overflow from. Yeah. You know I mean? We've got to wrap up now, but what we might do is we'll go back around the table here and maybe just any final thoughts, comments, or maybe you were driving here or scooting here tonight, Ella, thinking, oh, I want to talk about this. And apologies that, you know, I did send these questions and we kind of just took the conversation wherever. <laughs> but um, 
Does anyone have any final questions for each other? Comments, thoughts, regrets? (laughs) (laughs) No regrets. No regrets. I'd say like healthy habits. What are your healthy habits for managing your finances as a single lady? Mm, Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for bringing that one up. Being creative with hanging out with friends or like it doesn't have to be a $150 dinner. Mm. It can be a walk and getting a coffee or it can be coming over and cooking dinner, things like just being creative with if you've got your money goals with um, other things that you do outside of that. Yeah. Do you have any healthy habits, Jelly? Something that I've started doing lately is noticing when I'm avoiding looking at my finances. Like it, it got a little bit overwhelming when I was in the process of buying the house and there were so many bills and unexpected fees mm. popping up all very last minute. And I tend to dissociate sometimes and just go, no, I'm not going to deal with that. <laughs> but noticing when I am doing that and then sort of coming back to it and knowing when to ask for help mm. if I am feeling overwhelmed. So that's probably been a a habit that I'm getting better at because numbers overwhelm me very easily. And I'm very lucky to have friends and this community um, to sort of reach out to whenever I Mm. I do need some help. I think it's good to recognize when you're like that too, because sometimes I can, my personality, I guess, could be impulsive with things. So that's that's the reason why I personally don't have a credit card because I don't know if I trust myself. So impulsive with, oh, I'll just buy this, I'll just buy this. Like, no, I don't need that just pull myself back and recognize that that's just a momentarily feeling that'll pass. Nibble, do you have any healthy financial habits or life habits? Weekly tracking my expenses has been a game changer for me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, It's been like so amazing because it's making me more conscious of my cash flow and it helps me stick to my monthly budgets as well as see where I can like cut back on or like what's happening for the month and like get an analysis of like, if I've had a really good month, like month, like January is a pretty hard month for a lot of people because there's a lot of bills and everything. And then like just being able to see this, the um, flows, cash flows. Do you do that manually or do you have? Yeah, I have a app? spreadsheet that oh, I do it manually. So that's been like actually looking at my statements and like seeing that from a week to week basis. That's been really cool. Um, I also think figuring out, figuring out your values and then creating a budget that reflects that. So not depriving yourself if you really value like a really good meal, high-end meal, mm. factor that into your budget. Or oh, if you value clothes or uh, travel, factor that into your budget. So you're living a life that you love and you, you don't feel like you're depriving yourself. Because sometimes if you deprive yourself too much, you might have like a moment where you just spend <laughs> like mm. really like that used to be me as well. Like I would just have weird months where I just like spend a lot of money on a certain area. And then it's like, oh no, there's like guilt around that. So like finding a way to um, input your values in your budget. Shame's a big thing, isn't it? In yeah. every area of our life. Well, some areas like for me, it's like ice cream and, mm. um, you know, overeating. But um, It's a big one for me too. I'll binge definitely when I've yeah, been restricting. I think like when you touch on it, like with the spending sometimes, and I've like learned to be a lot better that, if I'm feeling like crap, going and buying something new for at the shop, you know, if I'm going to do that, well, don't spend $1,000, spend $100 because the result's the same. I still feel like I've treated myself. Yeah, because sometimes you need that Kmart splurge. So yeah. Just <laughs> go hard out. 
<laughs> Get your okay. candles, yeah. girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was going to ask. Someone was asking about how we're planning for our futures and retirement. Is that something that either of you have considered? Not really. I've definitely considered it. Um, having chats with other people. Yeah that are conscious about how they want to retire yeah. um, and speaking to different people. Like I know that a lot of people speak about fire and then like Glenn talks about loot. So like having um, different perspectives and seeing what I value and then just making sure that education is top priority for me. So making sure that like I'm continually educating myself with my finances, so reading, um, talking to people, doing courses and investing um, and just being dialed in with my finances. So like actually learning about investing and doing it. So if it's shares, actually mm-hmm. go out and buy shares. Oh, if it's property, buy property. So you have yeah. that learning curve and just, yeah, yeah playing like the long-term game. Right. Yeah. So you're at the sort of like that contemplative stage. You haven't got your strategy that you're sticking to yet. Property was my main strategy. Yeah. So I've take that off and then shares and then obviously having like good Mm. buffers in place and having like my sound financial house I think that is very like that's Mm. a game changer yeah ticking off that (laughs) financial house yeah and then obviously my career is very important so like being dialed into my career and like um, making sure those are in place and then just super yeah yeah on the career thing like you know we've just done all this career stuff and it's the next big thing. Like, and I've been crapping on for months, like your career is your biggest financial asset. And like you've talked about your, um, if you work harder, you get commission and bonuses. Like what are your thoughts about your career as being the bedrock of your income generation? Scary. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I haven't, yeah, I've got a good job and I studied at uni. I still don't know what I want to do. Yeah. I don't want to be working in 10 years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I love what I do, but I want to be able to do it for free. Like I don't want to have to keep exchanging my time for money. Yeah. And so my retirement plan is sort of um, centered around that retiring really early mm. so that I can still do what I want, but on my own terms. Yeah. yeah. yeah I no. feel that I have the idea retire maybe 50, 60, but I haven't really thought of. Yeah. Yet. But, and that's like, I really always challenge that in X amount of years I want to retire because, and I think different personalities like, and someone was saying the other day, like, oh, would you ever like sell the podcast? And, you know, and I'm like, well, no, because I'll be bored out of my brain and I'll just start another one. Like, so I think it is that how do you build and design a life around what you values? And, you know, the career books here on the table, like the first chapter in that is all about values. Like 100%. Has anyone negotiated a pay rise? Ooh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I have. And it was a really interesting, I guess, journey Mm. because it wasn't something I planned. It was just something that happened as a product of COVID, Mm. right? So I changed jobs about three times during COVID um, purely because it was healthcare. It was a very volatile industry. There were cancellations all over the place clinic shutting down. And I knew that I was a really valuable asset. And the area that I was in at the time, um, osteos were really in high demand, very high demand. And I was working my butt off. I was working crazy hours, five, sometimes six days a week. And I was like verging, like on the verge of burnout. Mm. And I knew that there were 
other osteos out there who were equally as skilled and equally as experienced, who were earning better commissions and who just had better deals. And so when I did a bit of research and I brought that back to the table when I met with my employers and I was like, look, hey, I feel like I'm working harder than these people. I feel like even for some of them, I was probably more experienced and had, um, I guess, more skills. Um, and I just said, look, I, I really feel like I should be remunerated mm. as such. Mm. And I was actually turned down the first couple of times. They couldn't afford it. It was a small business and I completely understood. Um, but the longer I stayed there, feeling like I wasn't being fairly compensated for the work that I was putting in, mm. um, the more I was pushed to a point I was like, where I was just fed up. I was like, no, I need, I know I deserve more. And I put the feelers out around all of Australia, actually. And I put in applications everywhere and I sat interviews, probably about four or five interviews around mm. Australia. And I was luckily in a position to negotiate terms mm. with all of these new employers. And I was like, look, I'm fielding offers from Perth, Newcastle, Brisbane, Melbourne. What do you got? <laughs> so, Is that how you approached it? Essentially, yeah. Like shakedown model. <laughs> how do you develop that confidence to like speak and ask what you want and like not backtrack? It was all just in fact checking. Honestly, I, research. Yeah, data yes, driven. Exactly. Yeah. So I knew I wasn't lying. I didn't have imposter syndrome at the time. I wasn't talking myself up. I knew for a fact that I had done more work. I did a lot of extracurricular courses after uni and during uni. So I had more tickets and I had more life experience as well. So I was a mature age student when I graduated from my master's. Um, and yeah, that was just leverage but essentially. There, there, there does come a point though, like the fact you you put the facts on the table it's like i'm qualified i'm experienced the market says i can be paid this that's cute but you had to pull the trigger yeah i did so that was yeah. that's the big thing and and particularly in the book you know that's the risk mm -hmm. and we talk about with taking risks the risk is only the execution yeah because you did all the groundwork yeah so it wasn't as scary rather than just waking up one day, oh, I want more money and walking in, hey, can I have some more money? Like mm. you're less confidence because you don't yeah. have the data. And you'll probably be turned away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And they'll probably go, well, yeah. actually, no, but while you're yeah. here, you're fired. Yeah. Like, yeah, and it wasn't just that I was like asking for money. It was more that like I knew what I was worth and how much value I could add to every mm. clinic. So when I would come to the table and have these interviews, it was like, this is what I'm qualified in. This is what I have experience with. This is my passion. And I would speak from a place of real confidence because I am very sure of myself. I know what I'm doing. And that was the conversation. I knew that a lot of the interviewers could feel that. And so now, even in, in the place that I work now, I feel like a very valuable asset and I'm treated as such. And I like being appreciated and it makes me feel um, really comfortable in my role and it's so much more of a healthy dynamic. I'm not burnt out or anything. So it looks to me like looking in at the three of you that you're all kind of like glass half full type people, like the optimists and all that. Was that always there for the three of you or was it something that you identified and think, oh, I've actually got to go and get it and change your mindset, Bella? I think... Honestly, that probably stems from childhood trauma. Really, Just yeah. being on like autopilot, have to do it for myself, mm. that kind of thing for me, yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there, sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The trauma is real. 
Um, it's like always relying on myself, looking, having to look after myself. Yeah. Like I've been living out of home since I was 18, like financially supporting myself since I was 18. Mm-hmm. I know some people there's younger, but it does take a toll. You know, I still have dreams about childhood stuff and wake up anxious. Mm. Oh, I just had one like two nights ago. Mm. The first memory, it was like a full flashback. Mm. First memory I had recalled from my childhood in years. Mm. And you don't realise how subconsciously you carry that with you. And, you know, like for me, you know, looking in, it was a pretty benign situation, but like it was like trauma that you carry and it affects me. And that's that whole we need to learn to have more grace because everyone's doing and dealing with their own stuff. And I just think it's fascinating that why am I still having nightmares about a situation when I was a child? Because you need to go to therapy and unpack it. <laughs> Shh, go away. <laughs> this is actually one of my qualifications. You're I a get guest trauma informed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, I don't know. You're probably right. But, yeah. but I think it makes you a more resilient person. You're more mm. likely to come back from the lows and the the shitty things that happen to you. Mm. Yeah. And that is how the nervous system is conditioned for survival, mm. right? So if you are in those put in those situations as a child, yes, they absolutely suck and no one deserves that, but at the same time, you learn skills to adapt and those behaviors served you well at the time. Sometimes they don't serve you so well as an adult, but for the most part, look at how far they've gotten you. Mm. Look at how far you've come and I think that it's important for people to ha- give themselves a little bit of grace and to really feel grateful and appreciative for the things that their body does for them subconsciously. Mm. Like the way that it keeps us operating and functioning and alive is very impressive. Yeah, and the mindset of that happened then and it was for like your body was trying to, you were trying to protect yourself, but now it's like the present and you can write like a different story and a different script So like, you have to kind of live in the present and know that your past self was protecting you, was helping you, but you can like help yourself now, the present, like your older version of yourself, like you know how to take care of yourself and we can write a different story. Yeah. It's hard though for sometimes for money, I'm always like, oh, the fear of being without. So it's like always, oh no, I can't buy this or buy that because then I need to have the savings there, like that kind of So like, yeah, so for me... Um, you know, being self-employed, like, you know, being self-employed, you wake up every day without a job, right? And I, um, my emergency fund is double the size, what the quote unquote money book says. Why? Because I want it that way. And if anyone has a problem about my money, it's like, well, I'll politely ask you to mind your own business and get a grip because it's my life and my money. So, And if it gives you that sense of security then. Yeah, because it's just more about the money. And, you know, I've worked so hard to like, you know, cultivate and have team members and, you know, my reason for living financially is to first and foremost make payroll. Yeah. And if that means I need more cash to give me that comfort that I, I would like, it would kill me if I ran out of money, I couldn't pay my staff. Mm. I would love to get to a point where I can take my whole family out to dinner, mm. pay for the whole thing, not even have to worry about what my bank balance is. Yeah. Like that, I think, is it that an was awesome a, goal yeah. to have. When I was in my early 20s, I always wanted to um, – I, I remember a group of us used to always go out for Indian. Um, and I was like, oh, I would love to one day – 
be able to go up and pay for the bill. And the table's $300, right? And yeah, it, it's I'm exactly the same. And now because of, you know, my own financial success and all that, you know, I've, I'll have a, a party and be able to pay for like 40 people. And so you'll be able to get there easy. It's just, it's just, I don't know. Do you feel like you're consciously, like when that happens, like you really take it in and you're like grateful? Because, you know, sometimes when you're like ticking off your goals and that kind of stuff and you're like, oh, this is my dream. Like I'm living my dream, but you're not like, you still want more, you're still striving for mm. more and you're not like as. Yeah, I, I don't know. I reckon it's this thing about, um, for me, I had to stop striving and have this almost like a quote unquote spirit of contentment. Like I'm good now. Like, or like I can actually stop stressing the facts, say I've got an emergency fund and I'm content. And I will say like this whole generosity thing, like to be able to take your family out and cover a $500 meal or $300 meal or whatever, I would say to people who are out in those situations and maybe you're at a family dinner and the Ella in your life wants to pay for everyone, I would encourage you to let that person do that. Don't rob them of their joy. Don't rob them of their wanting to be generous. Yeah. You're allowed to, because learning to accept things is a struggle. I struggle with it. So now I let people, all right, you want to pay for dinner? I'll let you do that. Mm -hmm. That's your joy. And I want, I'm not going to rob you of that joy. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. a really good point. Mm. I do want to just come back to you though, because it sounds like everyone here at the table is in agreement. And I think a lot of people in the My Millennial community would be on the same page with this. It's like, none of us are looking to like get rich per se. Yeah, We're all just looking for that financial freedom to live a life that doesn't have us panicking mm. yeah. about money or worrying about money. We want to get to a stage where we're thriving and we can feel comfortable enough in our financial situation to give freely to the people that we love and care Definitely. about. You yeah, said but, it so well. Yeah, because yeah. when you think about it, like if you're striving to get rich, you'd say why? Because, mm. and I'll make some numbers up here. If you owned your house and you had a million dollar portfolio, for example, and it produced income, you didn't have to quote unquote work ever again. There's actually no difference between having that million dollar portfolio or a ten million dollar portfolio. Yeah, because you don't want to get into this consumerism thing around inf lifestyle inflation. Mm -hmm. So it is just getting to that. I need to be comfortable and secure, and goes back to what I always say: live life on your own terms. Mm -hmm. Big time. Mm. Big time. Well, we've had a chat. It oh, has thanks, been guys. indeed. Yeah, it has been you. real. I'm starting a new podcast, guys, called The Table. Um, <laughs> it's monthly at the Western in Brisbane. Yeah. And we're chatting about all the things. That'd be so good. Mm. Be It'll cool. be the birthplace of my millennial Tinder. Getting into the saucy topics. Yeah. So, look, what I would say is thank you so much for sharing the last hour and a half. Thanks for having, us. for having us. Yeah, it's been a blast. It's been really nice getting to know you ladies and you, Glenn, too. My pleasure. All right, friends. That's it for another episode of my millennial dating. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> okay, see you guys. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. 
My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.